All right, let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, as we come before your word this, your, uh, word this afternoon, we pray that you would be our teacher, that you would bless us and guide us. We know that your spirit speaks. We saw your spirit speak despite the human foibles of Micaiah. And we pray that you would speak to us whatever it is that we need to hear. We might need encouragement. We might need comfort. We might need rebuke. We might need strength, hope. Be what you will to us and what you uh, ordain for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to say a warm welcome to you and um, a greeting on this Christmas Eve. Uh, it's lovely to see many people who have chosen to spend their early Christmas Eve uh, worshiping on this Sunday afternoon. Uh, I commend you for your priorities being in the right place. Well, this Sunday I had two options. One was to uh, preach about Christmas, and the other was to preach about New Year's. And um, I thought that I would just take advantage of an opportunity to share with you on this, my last Sunday at Christ the King, as your rector, uh, to share what is my favorite passage from the whole Bible. Uh, I don't know that I'd ever read it before I was about 20. I don't think I ever heard anybody preach on it. But when I heard it, I was just fascinated by it. I thought that the story was funny. I thought that the story was well-paced. But the story contained a lot of mysteries and is baffling. And so I've chosen this uh, passage today as a way of uh, offering some direction for all of us, God willing, as we face the new year. And the title of my sermon and the handout is on the one-page um, 8 and a half by 11 sheet that you received. And the title of the sermon is this. Where should we turn to find a sure word from God in 2024? Where should we turn to find a sure word from God in 2024? And then secondly, what if we disobey God's word? A lot of us have been down the road a long path, maybe before we ever became Christians, and we have a lot of mistakes in our wake. Or what if God doesn't specify or answer the question that we have? I mean, you might be wondering about what university to go to next year, and uh, nowhere in Scripture does it says does it say, um, you know, the University of uh, BC over the U of T. Uh, so uh, there's a bit of ambiguity there. I want to uh, draw your attention initially to two problems in the text which people are tempted to fix. And I wondered if you noticed it when it was being read. Do you remember when um, the king of Israel comes to Jehoshaphat, um, or, and when the, when the messenger says to Jehoshaphat, when the messenger says to Micaiah, sorry, uh, look, toe the party line. And Micaiah says, uh, no, um, in verse 14, as Yahweh lives, only what Yahweh says to me, that shall I speak. And then when he actually comes to the king, he says the same thing that the 400 lying prophets do. Uh, Go up and prevail. Yahweh will give it into the hand of the king. Well, he just swore only to tell the truth in the name of the Lord. He's obviously the true prophet, but he toes the party line. And ironically, it's Ahab, of all people, who has to set him on the right path. Look, you know, but to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord. And then Micaiah, the true prophet, says, okay, you got me. Here it is. 
And then Micaiah gets it 100% straight. I mean, he sees into the future. He talks about being in the council chamber. He saw the process that went by whereby God had planned to ordain that Ahab would be taken off the scene for his sins. And Micaiah hits the nail um, absolutely on the head. And there's another problem that comes up earlier in the narrative, and I want you to notice it as well. The king of Israel has gathered 400 prophets and they have given a prophetic word. And then in verse seven, Jehoshaphat said, and translators don't know what to do about this because 400 prophets have already spoken, but Jehoshaphat says, and I translate literally, is there not still a prophet of Yahweh here that we may inquire of him? Well, he's just heard from 400, what's the big deal? I mean, 400 is a pretty representative number, right? And they're all unanimous. But Jehoshaphat, who's a discerning spiritual being, senses that there's something wrong with those 400 prophets. And as it turns out, if you uh, know your Bible trivia very well, and you go back to the story of um, uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel, he destroys 450 prophets of Baal. But do you know who showed up? 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the goddess Asherah. Nothing more is said about those 400 prophets until there is mention of Ahab choosing 400 prophets to prophesy. Jehoshaphat rightly smells a rat and says, is there not yet here a prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? It was back in either 1976 or 1979, my memory doesn't serve me uh, right on which it is, that an Israeli archaeologist by the name of Zev Meshel was excavating um, a mound in the Negev uh, desert. And this was uh, something uh, a way, like a cross between a, uh, um, a holiday inn and a chapel. It was a place where you could stay overnight. It was a place where you could worship. And in the front entryway of what they call a caravanserai, they found an inscription. And on the inscription, an Israelite wrote this, I bless you by Yahweh of Samaria and by his Asherah. And that was the beginning of um, a series of evidences that led to the conclusion of scholars, which I believe is correct, that many of these idolatrous Israelites thought that the goddess Asherah was Yahweh's wife. And if you're um, a married couple, you know that sometimes, indeed, one speaks for the other. And so when Jehoshaphat um, was presented with these 400 prophets, these 400 fake prophets came, Jehoshaphat smelled the problem, and uh, Micaiah appeared on the scene. So you'd think that all hope lies in Micaiah, but Micaiah comes, and at the beginning, he prophesies what is false. Then he is corrected by, of all people, Ahab, and then Ahab uh, goes into battle deciding that he's going to play his odds. Okay, if Micaiah's right, which he might well be, I'm going to disguise myself so that no one will recognize me as the king of Israel. And then, of course, that punchline in the narrative, the one that you know uh, isn't pure random, but which is described as such, it says, then someone drew his bow at random, verse 34, and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. So a fluke shot from a random arrow shooter just happens to hit Ahab, who's disguised as an ordinary person whom they're not supposed to be gunning for, and Ahab is dead. 
Micaiah's word comes true. My friends, what is this story all about? I think this story is a parody on a problem that Israel had, which is similar to the one that you and I have as we look towards 2024. Where am I going to go to get a sure word from the Lord? Where am I going to go to get a sure word from the Lord? You might be wondering about a relationship that's important in your life. And you're wondering about um, whether God would have you uh, move forward with that relationship or not. It might be a job offer. It might be what church to go to. It might be whether to stay in your, um, to stay in your home or to uh, move into a condo and downsize as an older person. Let me share uh, an experience that I had when I came to a crossroads um, that I think illustrates the problem. And I don't know whether I've ever shared it before. I don't think I have in the two years that I've been with you, but I promise not to share it again as your rector. Um, when I was wondering about marrying, the woman who is now my wife, Marion. Um, I was nervous. I mean, after all, you know, you'd never been married before. This is all new. You don't exactly know what it takes for you, what it takes for them. So I got down on my knees in my student apartment in New Haven, Connecticut, and I said, Lord, this is kind of tacky, I imagine. And I don't do this very often, but I need a sure word from you about whether I am to marry uh, Marion or not. I was in the middle of that prayer on my knees when the phone rang beside me. And I picked up the phone and I said, hello. And the person didn't identify themselves. The person on the other end of the phone simply said, listen to this. And then there was a pause and I heard Kenny Rogers singing, I sentence you to life with Mary Ann. I sentence you to life with Mary Ann. And the phone hung up. Well, her name is Marion, but Marianne is, is, is pretty darn close. And I know that marriage is a lifelong relationship, but what does it mean to call it a, a life sentence? So I began to scratch my head and wonder, could God be speaking through the likes of Kenny Rogers? And just to tell you the rest of the story, my brother knew that I was going through this uh, conundrum and he came home from a flight, um, he's a pilot, and when he came into his room, he hit the stereo uh, button and that line came across. And he thought, hmm, maybe there's a message here. I should maybe phone Glenn and just tell him what I heard. So um, that was the connection. So here's the question, does God speak through the likes of Kenny Rogers? Does God speak through the likes, more oddly, of your kid brother? Um, or should you just throw it off? I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't dismiss it, but I couldn't figure it out. You see, my friends, here's the problem. The problem is that there are many variables in life. And even when Israel had prophets to consult, there were still variables. For example, when Micaiah came before that august crowd and he saw at the gates of Samaria 400 prophets saying the same thing, complete with uh, you know iron horns that illustrated how they were going to be defeated, and these two uh, regal kings sitting in their robes, and the king of Israel said to him, what do you say? The true prophet imploded, and he said, uh, go up and prevail. Yahweh will give it into the hand of the king. And then, of course, Ahab, who probably knew what God's will was anyway, we sometimes pretend we don't know what God's will is, but we do, said, how many times must I tell you to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? 
So if we're piggybacking on this story and we're wondering where we go to hear a true word from the Lord in 2024, the answer would appear to be find a prophet. But the passage is even saying that if you find a prophet, it's still not a sure thing because although a prophet can speak on God's behalf, prophets are human beings. Now, if you were to transfer the analogy, say, from a prophet, because we don't really have biblical prophets today, I think that there are small p prophets that we know um, in, the, in the charismatic movement who often speak a word from the Lord, and I'm not denying that they don't. But the question is, where do you go to hear a sure word from the Lord? Well, Micaiah seemed to have the answer, didn't he? But Micaiah is a prophet, and I'm only a priest, and your friend is only a mentor or a spiritual director, and we simply don't have capital P prophets in our day. Now, if you're wondering about seeking advice from friends in the year ahead, I want to suggest that there's some good advice in, Second King, in 1 Kings 22. For example, there were 400 prophets who were saying one thing. So the lesson is this. Don't go with the majority. <laughs> that sounds a bit counterintuitive, but in our spiritual word, world, you're far better to choose somebody whose opinion is out of sync with the culture and somebody who's willing to put their neck on the line to tell it like it is and say something unpopular. My friend Josh Levin Samuel told me or showed me uh, of a demonstration that he took part in uh, at Queen's Park a few months ago that had to do with a political issue that was quite important. There were a whole lot of people on one side and not very many people on the other side. And Josh had the courage to go and stand on the mound and to, uh, to talk about the importance of family in our culture. And uh, he, he, he made an unpopular move, but made the right call. My friends, where am I going with this? I wanna say that ultimately, it's not a matter of who you go to for your advice, but where. And the answer to where lies in you know, I wish preachers could be novel, but that's not our job. The answer lies in Scripture. You see, here we are reading in a book a story that contained an episode that was just perilous and really hard to figure out. But let's keep in mind that we are reading in the Bible a story about a situation that was perilous. But now that we're reading it in the Bible, we know that it's authoritative. It's a little bit like watching a scene from a movie and you know how the movie ends, but your memory isn't quite right and you're, you're scared as you're going through this scene and you sort of think, gosh, I don't know how this is gonna turn out. I mean, this could be really bad. But you think, well, no, wait a minute. I know how the story ends, so it's okay. So when we're reading this story, we know that there are a lot of variables, but we also know that it's encoded in scripture and that we don't have to go to so-and-so and judge between so-and-so and so-and-so if we want a sure word from the Lord because God has given us scripture. I think it's almost as though somebody in the court of heaven, maybe in that same council chamber, stood forward and said, God, this time let's send a lying spirit uh, to deceive Ahab. But let's make a mental note for the future. These people should have your word in writing. That would be great. And so God answered our prayers to have a clear word from him coded in scripture. Now, there's a way in which we can recognize this, and it's going to take for us, you for a second just to notice it. But I want you to notice Ahab's or Micaiah's parting words. I put it in italics in verse 28. Hear you peoples, all of you. Hear you peoples, all of you. Scholars have noticed that this, this phrase occurs only one other time in Scripture. 
And the other place where it occurs is at the beginning of a prophetic book that is the book of Micah. So in other words, as Micaiah is walking off the stage, he says something that seems obscure. Mark my words, all you people. And it's as though he's thrown up into the air half of a key. And the rabbis knew that the way to uncode a special message in the Bible was to look for two phrases that were identical. And when you had two phrases that were identical, you compared those passages to find out what God was saying. So here Micaiah throws up the message, mark my words, all you people. And the other place where you find the expression is at the beginning of the prophet Micah, same name, Micaiah and Micaiah, Micaiah and Micah are the same. And so I think that what, what uh, scripture is doing at this point is in giving away, is in telling us Micaiah's final line here, mark my words, all you people, you're supposed to go and read your Bible and find out where else that occurs. And you realize, oh, <laughs> there's where you go to find a sure word from the Lord, not from the mouth of some guy named Micaiah, but in the written word of God in a book like the prophet Micaiah. So my dear friends, we have scripture as a guide. And uh, we have scripture as a sure guide. What did the Bereans do when they wondered in the New Testament whether what Paul was saying was true? They searched the scriptures, we're told, to see whether these things were true. So friends, it's an old-fashioned idea, but it's an awfully good one. That scripture contains what we have in order to tell the difference between right and wrong. It tells us all that we need to know uh, in order to make our path straight in 2024. It was Cranmer who said, in some there's nothing more that maintains godliness of the mind and drives away ungodliness than the continual reading and hearing of God's word. If it is accompanied by a godly mind and a desire to know and follow God's will, by contrast, nothing more darkens Christ and the glory of God, nor brings in more blindness and all kinds of vices than ignorance of God's word. The famous Baptist theologian, Millard Erickson, who wrote a Christian theology, which I recommend, said, in a world in which there are so many erroneous conceptions and so many opinions, the Bible is a sure source of guidance. For when correctly interpreted, it can be fully relied on in all that it teaches. It is a sure, dependable, and trustworthy authority. I don't know whether you're into New Year's resolutions. I'm not particularly because I'm very good at breaking them. But if you got one and you're planning on sticking with it, I'm going to read my Bible and study my Bible more carefully this year than at any other year. So the first answer to the question then, where should we turn to find a sure word from God in 2024 is God's word. Nowhere else. God's word. Now, God's word is subject to different interpretations. It doesn't mean that it solves every problem and that there aren't still questions, but everything that we need to know for life, salvation, sanctification, and direction in life is found there. But maybe you're saying to yourself, uh, Glenn, I became a Christian six months ago. Glenn, I, I, I'm not even a Christian yet, and I'm wondering about it. And I got a lot of history behind me that, that, that didn't sort of look to God's word for direction. So what kind of a situation am I in? Um, I'm in a situation that's compromised because of my past. Or maybe you're actually deciding between two fine questions. Will it be UBC or will it be the University of Alberta? I gotta tell you, I, I don't think there's an answer in the Bible. I, I just don't think that God is that specific. So here we come to the second part then. What if we don't follow God's word or what if we can't find a sure word from God? on the subject. 
And I want to suggest that the second part of our story gives us the answer. You see, Ahab thought that he could uh, hedge his bets. I'm going to disguise myself. No one will know it's the king of Israel and the king of Syria is going to be looking for the king of Israel and I'm the least likely looking king of Israel that can be around. Did that uh, hamstring God? Did God have to sort of wring his hands and say, oh my gosh, he's got me. He's not wearing his royal robes. No, somebody just drew the bow and shot a fluke shot. Zing! God's will was accomplished regardless of Ahab's desire to disobey God. And I want to tell you this afternoon that if you've messed up a good part of your life, or if you're struggling about a question for which you don't have an answer, this is a really good time to remember that God's in control, not you. When I was about uh, six years old, I went to Disneyland uh, in LA, um, and um, my parents knew that I liked cars, and they saw a car ride, and they thought, oh, let's put the little guy on the car, he'll have a good time. And uh, they, they laughed because I looked so earnest that I was driving this little car. But what they didn't tell me was that the car was on a track. And the car was on a path about this wide, and it went up this steep hill about two stories high. And I'm up about, up about 30 feet looking down, and my parents are waving at me, and they said, oh, he looks so earnest. Well, I thought that my life was in, the, it was, was, was in my own inept hands. If I turned too far to one side, I would go off the cliff. If I turned too far to the other side, I'd go off the cliff. I would have had a whole lot better time if somebody had said, Glenn, you're on a track. It doesn't matter whether you spin at 850 degrees, you're going to still come down that track and make it home. Well, you know, the same is true in our life. If you are doing your best to follow God's word and God's ways, God is not going to uh, wreck your life <laughs> because uh, you uh, didn't know or because uh, you're ignorant, or because uh, of something else. I remember thinking in my teens, I didn't go to the uh, church barbecue on Saturday night. I know it was for young people, I just didn't feel like going, what if that was the one time when I was gonna meet my future wife? You know, just all over then, right? Well, friends, God is in control, and that's the lesson that Ahab learned. And Ahab learned it for the people's good and his ill, I want to encourage you this year, study God's word. It's a sure way to know the direction of the future. And if God doesn't give you your answer, or if you've already messed up a lot, he's still able to make right what is wrong. One of my favorite passages, one that I quoted often, is God works all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. A lot goes messy, but God is able to turn what is messy and accomplish his good will even though you have messed up. He's that good and he's that sovereign. Thanks be to God for his word and for his sovereignty this night. Amen.